There has to be some common sense. Yes, sir, they have the car stopped in Grant, We still don't know who pulled the trigger. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Police Off the Cuff, Real Crime Stories. I'm your host, retired NYPD Sergeant Bill Cannon, a 27-year veteran. So good to see you guys on a Sunday, a little late Sunday afternoon. Everyone's had time to unwind, relax a little bit, and get into some of this new policing on TV. You know, when that show, um, uh, Policing Live PD, was on and it was canceled like two years ago. People were like heartbroken. And there's nothing close to replacing it. But it was clear that the folks behind it wanted to replace it. But it was so it was so political uh, when you think of it about the cancel culture that canceled the show, the people that were in power that were afraid to go up against the powers that be, even though the powers that be were a small minority of people that just canceled a superbly popular TV show. And not just the show Live live Police, many other police shows. No other police shows in those two years were getting made. A lot of uh, the genre of police-type shows, uh, they were afraid to even make them. Sort of pathetic when you think about it, right? Because policing or police film, police TV is a genre that people love. Look at TV right now. I don't love all the police um, shows that are on TV. uh, Blue Bloods, NYPD Blue was from the past. I'm showing my age. Uh, To me, my all-time favorite police show, I think, was the best one ever made was HBO's The Wire, superbly made. It was about the Baltimore Police Department. Superb. Not only was it true to how policing's really done, but they caught the language of the street. Just think of writers that can catch the slang and they can catch the conversations between two or three or four people. And and it wasn't contrived. Like a lot of times you'll see on Blue Bloods, I actually want to vomit sometimes when I hear some of the dialogue to that. But when you heard the dialogue from the show The Wire, I was so impressed with that. And also with police policing and how it's actually done, I was so impressed with that show. Anyway, let's get back to this show. They were dying. Dan Abrams was dying to get back on this show. Uh, Willis Pony, thank you so much for the 999 Super Chat. All hail the Supreme Commander. I'm originally from Baltimore. So, Willis Pony, you know that show, The Wire, was superb. Was, to me, the best police show ever made. And that's not a a light thing to say when you think, look, NYPD Blue was very good. Hill Street Blues back in the 70s was superb. That was a superbly made police show. And so much that people wouldn't even whatever was on once a week, they wouldn't even go out the night it was on at that time. People were hooked to that show as they were to NYPD Blue. 
But we have a whole different scene now. This is a live PD show. Now it's called Live Patrol. Um, and it's a little bit different because, look, there was animosity behind canceling the original Live PD. Now it's Live Patrol, which means what's happening is in real time. So anything could happen. Anything could happen. Let me play a little bit of this. We'll just get an idea of um, what they're saying from the TV end about this show. And um, we'll play it on the screen here. Giving viewers an up-close look at the lives of police officers in real time. On Patrol Live follows multiple departments across the country with live cameras. I had a chance to sit down with the host of the show, journalist Dan Abrams, to talk about what you can expect and why so many agencies were willing to take part in this. So we had a deputy that attempted to make a traffic stop on a suspect, and the suspect did not want to stop, and he fled the scene. A longtime journalist Dan Abrams joining us. Dan, the show is called On Patrol Live. Set the stage for us. What happens? We're going to be following eight police departments around the country in real time, live. And we're going to bounce between them, uh, depending on what's happening in the various departments. And I think that this really does show people exactly what it's like to be a police officer. Meaning, you know, those of us in the in the news media tend to, to cover uh, high-profile events uh, when it comes to uh, law enforcement. But the reality is the vast majority of what law enforcement does is not high-profile. And it is the ordinary day-to-day -day work that cops do. And that's what this show showcases. Dan, there's a lot of risk in this, though. Let's say you're checking in live with a department who's responding to a sensitive call, maybe involving domestic violence or children. How do you handle those situations? So that's why we have um, a slight delay. Um, if there is something that happens where there's a child on camera that we want to make sure that that child doesn't get shown, et cetera. If someone makes an allegation against somebody else that's uh, you know, libelous, um, if there's an undercover officer uh, who's caught on, on, you know, on a shot, these are all reasons that we have a small delay uh, that allows us to deal with that kind of situation. Dan, what do you hope viewers take away from a show like this? I think a lot of people will realize uh, who don't know that much about policing, uh, that policing is a lot more complex than a lot of people believe. And I hope that it will provide people with a better understanding of what it's like to be a police officer. Now, that doesn't mean it's always good, right? There are gonna be things that people are gonna see as part of this show, well, they'll say, I don't think that police officer should have done that. Fair enough. But at least they will get a bigger picture perspective of what it's like to be a police officer in America. You know, folks, one of the things that's really incredible, when you think about the amount of transparency and the amount of oversight that police departments have watching them at all times, there's no other profession with that level of oversight, with that level of transparency. For the very first thing, almost all police departments have body-worn video, a camera right above their shield. There you go, right there, camera, watching their every move, recording everything they say. Just think of that. Just think any of the folks that are listening or watching the show right now, whatever profession you're in, 
Could you imagine everything you do and say being recorded? How do you think you would like that? Do you think you'd be able to do your job uh, at that level that everything that you say is being recorded? I think it's pretty damn tough. How about a doctor performing surgery? What if the doctor had a camera recording everything he does, including talking to the nurses and to the technicians and calling out the orders, you know, more this, more that, more oxygen. Anesthesiologist, I want you to give them 20 cc's of blah, 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 blah. Can you imagine that? Think of that type of oversight in a profession like that. How about lawyers? Well, it would be very difficult to have that oversight on lawyers because lawyers have confidentiality. And so do other professions. Doctors, of course, in talking to their patients, they have a very, very high level of confidentiality. But law enforcement has this whole thing of transparency. We want to be able to see every single thing they do because we don't want them doing their job behind closed doors. We don't want them doing their job behind curtains, you know? So what do we do? We overcompensate as a society. We let people record them from eight feet away, which I find ridiculous. They already have body-worn video. There's video all about eight feet away. I think there needs to be a law, and the distance has to be defined. It also has to be defined what bystanders are allowed to do and say, because they are endangering a law enforcement officer's life by being that close. Um, in June of this year, Dan Abrams on News Nation announced the return of Live PD, but again, under a different name. I'm going to play a little bit of what he has to say because he is the architect behind this and the brains, if you will, behind this. So let's see what he has to say. And I think he's probably very happy. Hot off the presses this morning that so many of us have been highly anticipating for two years. The producers of Live PD and I will be back with a new live police show on Friday and Saturday nights. You'll see us with a different name. New network, some changes. But this summer, we're coming back on cable network reels. And as of now, it'll be called On Patrol Live. So first, I want to say thank you to the Live PD Nation. I know this wait was long, but we needed the right platform to make this show what it should be. You never gave up the faith, and neither did I. As many of you know, I've been advocating for the show to return since the day it went off the air. Here on News Nation, I actually had the entire gang from the original show on for a reunion. At the end of the program, I got personal. Nothing in my professional career has compared to being a part of Live PD. We became a family. Those of us on the set, the producers, the crews, both in studio and those who were out with the officers. And of course, most importantly, all of you. Together, you, we, had something truly special that I had never had in my professional life. I want it back. So rest assured that I will continue to fight the fight as best I can. And I'm going to bring those sweaters back. For the last two years, my Twitter's been flooded by so many of you demanding that we bring the show back. Well, it's not the same exact show but we still will be live 
in multiple departments, watching the work police officers do every day. And the mission will be the same. Again, I want to say from the bottom of my heart, thank you to all of you. We did it. And of course, my compadre, retired Tulsa Police Lieutenant Sean Sticks Larkin will be back. There'll be some new components of the show, including having citizens ride along with officers. We'll also feature new departments. Got some cool pictures. Folks, one of the things they've been promised 160 episodes. So if you're doing two episodes per week, you can do the math, right? That would be 100 episodes per year if you do that many. Say, say you do 40 a year. That, that would give you uh, four years of the show running. Pretty damn good. I think that the, the network knows this is a winner. This is going to hit the ground running. There's already a built-in audience for it. They already have professionals running this. They know how to do this. And they've chosen eight police departments who they're going to follow around alive. Uh, seems like it's, it's a winner. Pictures of me and Sticks there. And remember, Lieutenant Deputy Sheriff Curtis Wilson with the Richland County, South Carolina Sheriff's Department. He'll also be joining us as a full-time commentator on set. Before I bring in Sticks to talk about this, let me say this. Two years ago, when I was upset about the decision to pull the show, sometimes I said things that were viewed as controversial. I was told to, to, to stop by friends, other people, that I was endangering my career by speaking out, that police were the bad guys to so many in the media. This isn't the time to make those kinds of comments. So wanting to see how police work is done from the officer's perspective was viewed as, I don't know, was wrong or shameful. Well, now it seems that Many have come around and realized, oh, well, we actually need our police. My position has never changed. We needed our police officers then. We you know, folks, you can already see by Dan Abrams how excited he is that he knows and they all know that this show is going to be a winner. The, the, you, you know, when you say like the recipe or the, the blueprint for this show has already been set in stone, and it was a winner under the old name. So they know under the new name, this show is going to be a winner, and they're excited. Going around to eight police departments. You know, we all know, uh, uh, us cops and retired cops, what it's like going to live police jobs, of course, and the unpredictability of it, how anything can happen at any... You know, I remember one time, I'll tell a quick war story, we had an EDP, which is an emotionally disturbed person. And he was locked in his room and he was a little guy, like 120, 130 pounds. And he was blowing spit bubbles. And he was dressed in like some gown. And really the correct procedure was to wait for emergency service to get there. But I was like, oh, we'll just take this guy in. We'll save time. So he came out of the room and I, I also I saw in his right hand, he had an ice pick. And I was like, and I had the taser in my hand. I shot him with three cassettes from the taser and I was hitting him with the electricity and it didn't work. And he came and he almost stabbed me. Luckily, the cops tackled him from behind and knocked him to the ground. Boy, did I learn a lesson there. Here's live TV. I almost got stabbed with an ice pick by a 120 pound small EDP. But that 120 pound EDP could have easily killed me with that ice pick. So crazy, right? We need them now, and we need our show. 
Joining me now is retired Tulsa Police Lieutenant, and yes, the co-host of the upcoming show on Reels, On Patrol Live, Sean Sticks Larkin. Sticks, we're thrilled. We're happy. We Dan, got it. Dan, more than happy, more than happy. Hey, listen, before we jump in this conversation, you just made a, a comment, though, that I have to ask you now. You said that, yes, the sweaters will be back. Yes. Are, you are, are you referring to the Christmas silly sweaters or the tight, snug ones that you wear that we like to give you a hard time no about. i'm talking about the tight snug sweaters they're not they're oh, not quite as tight as your polo shirts but they're but they're definitely the, the tight sweaters are going to be back i cannot wait cannot wait cannot wait so your reaction to the news oh listen this has been a long time coming uh obviously i've been very fortunate to work with you on various projects during the last two years but this is something that you and i have had conversations about privately um, everywhere that I go, both here in Tulsa or out on the road or even when I'm out with friends, running into my old co-workers from the police department, everybody always wanted to know, when is the show coming back? And we have consistently said it, hey, we believe a show like it, very similar to it, if not the original, will be back. And I am so happy that we're able to talk about it here today. Yep. And you know what? I feel like I feel like I should take off my tie because you know what? You know, on the on the show, it you know these guys are so excited also because they were promised 160 episodes. So conservatively, if they do 40 episodes per year, 40 times four is 160. That'd be a four years of work they'll have in television. So you know they're already counting their money. They're making big bucks already. But this is an exciting show to work because it's blazing new ground and it already has a built-in audience. So look at these guys; they're like laughing. Uh, this the, the lieutenant sticks. He just retired. He did 25 years with a police department. So he's got another job and a job that's interesting as all hell. And it's in policing. So he's he's excited as hell. It's going to be no tie days. So uh, I'm not wearing a tie. So I'm going to I'm going to just for the sake of this conversation, take off the tie. Oh, let's go relax a little bit, chill and talk about the new show. Now, <laughs> I've got a polo on. <laughs> What do you so what do you think is most important for us to do on this uh, on this new show? What, what's the most important part of the show for you? Hey, listen, you know, uh, the, the topic of policing has been an important conversation going on for the last several years now. And I think it is important that people uh, are able to sit at home and watch the police profession in action every Friday and Saturday night. Um, they will be able to see police officers from all over the country, what they are dealing with day in and day, uh, day in and day out. And you kind of get the full story almost to what the police officers have to deal with on a car stop, on a burglary call, a domestic and so forth. And I think that is so important right now for the people in our country to see. And, you know, On Patrol Live is the working title. Um, you know, I like it. Do you? All right. I do. All right. I do. All right. I, like it. I'm not I do totally, like it. Yeah. I wasn't totally sold on it the first time I heard it, but but if you like it, then I then I think I can probably live with it. Right? You're into it? Hey, we can call it sticks and sticks and Dan. Yeah, yeah. Sticks and Dan, yeah. Dan and Sticks. Or we can right. we can we can call it uh Sticks, Curtis, and the rest of the cops. Um and let's uh, go. And how excited are we that Curtis is joining us? Man, I, I am so excited. Obviously, Richland County Sheriff's Department has been a part of that program from the first episode all the way up until the very end, Sheriff Leon Lott there, uh, a huge supporter yeah. of the community seeing what his his deputies do day in and day out. 
And a lot of the uh, deputies from their agency became fan favorites. Curtis, although he was not on the show out there like Danny Brown, yeah. and, you know, Mastriani and some of these guys like that, uh, he will be someone that they recognize. He has a background in broadcasting. He's absolute perfect. perfect fit. I look forward to working with him. We're back, baby. Tom, We're back. We're yes. back. Can't wait. Let's go. Sticks, thank you. Stick around. We're going to have you in the next segment. Appreciate it. You think these guys are a, a little bit excited for their uh, for their show? That's uh, that's a go. Uh, I I think they're tremendously excited, and I, I mean I would be too. I'd be so excited. You know, during the whole uh, riots, the George Floyd riots, uh, nationally policing was destroyed by these groups: Black Lives Matter, Antifa. Uh, they really almost ruined policing as we know it. And some, I'm not going to just point fingers, but some political groups endorsed these groups over the police department. So as a result, nationally, many police departments are feeling the wounds, are wounded. They are wounded from what happened over those two years of rioting. And police left in droves and are still leaving departments in droves because of the damage that was done that resulted in subtle things and not so subtle things in New York city. It resulted in bail reform. So, so damaging. And when you hear politicians on one side or the other say, Oh, bail reform, it's damaging as all hell and let them strap a gun onto their hip and see how damaging it actually is. It's like catching the same fish 10 times in a row, you know, because they're arresting the same people over and over and over again. And the system is, is uh, releasing them. But they're dangerous. The people are dangerous. How about the diaphragm law? Another New York law where police officers are not allowed to put their knee into the back of a perpetrator to get him handcuffed. Ridiculous law. Totally And a judge appealed it and it was reversed. And then they returned it back to what it is. And they're, they're not again allowed to put their knee in the back of a perpetrator to get him handcuffed. And look, myself, I was a boss 22 years, Lieutenant, um, Lieutenant Pete was a boss for I don't know how many years. We recognize the times when we were on the scene of arrests. If an officer had his knee in the back of a perpetrator and the perpetrator was cuffed, we picked the officer up off the purpose and get the pressure off his back. Guys, can you hear me again? I lost sound for a second. Uh, put a one if you can hear me. Can you guys hear me? Is there still no audio? Put a one if you can hear me. Uh, no audio again.
guys, can you, you can hear me now. I'm sorry. Sometimes this microphone, if I hit the cord, I know you can hear me now. I, I tested the mic. Sometimes uh, in this microphone, if I hit the cord, it disconnects. But it's a great mic. But, but I have to correct that one of these days. So, uh, you know, what we were talking about is that, you know, all the different laws that were passed. And, you know, as a result, a great show like this was taken off the air. And great police stories were not getting uh, done by Hollywood. Lieutenant Pete Branzo, Harlem Raiders, he has a book that could be a movie, that could be a TV show, could be a TV series. Um, Randy Jurgensen, Circle of Six, that should be a damn movie. Brilliance, but guess what? They're afraid of the powers that be, so they won't make it a movie because they're afraid of the protests. So it's like all of these things have really hurt policing in the last few years. Folks, if you're not subscribed to Police Off the Cuff on YouTube, first of all, shame on you. It's free. But go on our YouTube, hit that subscribe button, give us a thumbs up, ring that bell. You know, as I say when I do my walk through the park, ring my bell, ring my bell, you know. <laughs> you, you thought I would spare you that on, the, uh, on this recording. No, not a chance. And if you want to support us, we have a Patreon with three different levels. And we also have a YouTube channel memberships with five. And you see the folks with the green font in the chat. They're part of our YouTube channel. And uh, they, they're our supporters. And it's like our club. It's like our YouTube club. Uh, so, yeah, all of these things that um, were all results of the George Floyd riots. And then, uh, some people say protest. I say riots. You know, so many people were hurt and killed during those protests. The left likes to call them protests. The, uh, the other side likes to call them riots. Hearing a new series called On Patrol Live. We'll see body cam footage in real time, but there are other elements that make this series a little different than the rest. I spoke to the executive producer and host, Dan Abrams, about those differences and the goal they're hoping to reach with the community interactions. So take a look at our conversation. 77 is lane three. We're taking you to the streets of America. God, he's running. They better stop, man. I'm gonna catch you. Why? Josh, come to the front. Let me see your hands. Anything can happen. Good day for the good guys, bad day for the best. Anything. What are you doing? Dan, thank you so much for being here. My pleasure. Now, let's talk about On Patrol Live. What exactly are we doing here? We are following eight police departments live in real time, and we'll be bouncing between them depending on what's happening. And people will be able to see uh, what it's like to be a police officer in America. I mean, you think about the fact that all these departments or most of them have body cams now, right? And people say, well, we want to see the body cam after the fact. This allows you to see it as it's happening in real time. Wow, I'm just amazed that we even have that capability to, to, to add that. So tell me what makes On Patrol Live different from any other police show that we've seen? So you know, the only comparable show would be one that I was involved in a while back called Live PD. But absent that, the rest of these shows are like highlight reels, right? It's like, hey, look at these crazy moments and, and now let's put them together. This is watching the story unfold. 
This is watching policing through the eyes of a of a police officer, the uncertainty of what they don't know, um, what they do know, et cetera. So that's what makes this very different than any other type of show. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about the the ride alongs that you've added, because there are aspects to this show that we're not getting anywhere else. Um, tell yeah. me a little bit about the, the ride alongs that members of the community can go on with these police officers. Yeah, that's right. So so we think it's really important for you know, citizens to have faith in their police departments. Right. So what better way to do that than to say you can join in a ride along? Not just the cameras, but you can literally be watching behind the scenes there. And then we're going to invite those people to come on to talk about what did you see? What did you make of it? And I think that is a really important part of the of the new show. Absolutely. Do you, do you guys have any um, hopes for that aspect of it? Because it, it sounds like it is touching on something that I think is really important, and that's community policing. You know, having these officers know the members of the community that they are in every day and making those relationships with, you know, whether it's kids in the community, moms or anything like that. Do you have a, a hope or a goal for uh, adding that aspect into the show? Well, I think that what my hope is, is that as we watch these departments, we'll see that happening, right? We'll see that. And we have seen this, right, in previous uh, uh, types of shows. We've seen that officers will come up and they'll know members of the community. Because uh, you're right, it is critical to have that relationship, to know folks, uh, whether uh, the officers live in the communities or they certainly at the least spend a lot of time in the communities. It is absolutely uh, essential for building that sort of trust. And I think you'll see some of that on the show. And I only say that because, again, when I was hosting Live PD, we saw some of that. Um, with officers familiar with uh, people, with residents, with shop owners, et cetera. And uh, I, I think it's a good question and an important point. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, before uh, I let you go, if you could give everyone out there one word to describe On Patrol Live that they need to get them hyped up to watch, what would that be? Part of what makes um, On Patrol exciting is that it unfolds, right? So it's not about sort of boom, boom, excitement and action. And because that's not what a police officer. So I guess here's what I'll say. I'll say the one word would be reality, which is it's the real aspect of being a police officer. And if you give me two words, I would say police reality, you know, police reality, um, because it shows what it's like to be a police officer in America. Absolutely. I totally agree. Well, thank you so much, Dan. So, folks, you get an idea. I mean, every time I watch Dan Abrams, I could see how excited he is. Oh, and by the way, the first two shows were, were Friday night, this past Friday night and Saturday night. And it's on a cable channel called Reels that's spelled R-E-E-L-Z, as in zebra. Reels. Apparently, last night they had some te technical difficulties. Uh, but I think once it's on, you can actually go on YouTube or, or the cable channels and pretty much watch it again at your leisure. So it's going to be out there. One of the amazing things, and I'll get into that in one second. I want to answer Okie Dokie here, Okie Dokie 7. 
Who wrote the knee-jerk reaction to using force to apprehend violent criminals? It would seem, based on watching too many apprehensions, cuffing versus killing would be a concern for all. No? Yes, I think so. But one of the things, in New York City, the diaphragm law, which prevents officers from putting their knee in the back of a perpetrator in order to get the person cuffed, was written by the city council. A bunch of clowns who have no business writing any legislation because they're clueless. You would think that they would bring in police experts and ask them how feasible it is to get someone handcuffed without putting your knee in their back. And the police expert would say it's not feasible. The officer needs to put his body weight on the perpetrator in order to get the person cuffed. If you ever try to cuff someone that doesn't wish to be cuffed, and 99.9% .9 of the perpetrators you arrest do not wish to get cuffed, so they're going to fight you. So maybe the city council should have um, consulted with a police expert, but that's their arrogance and their stupidity. They don't ask for any guidance. They just do and then, then when they realized uh, it was a huge mistake, Nassau County and the police commissioner, Patrick Ryder, he will not allow his police officers to make arrests in New York City, even though legally they're allowed to do that. He doesn't want them subjected to the diaphragm law. So he does not want them crossing the Nassau County border into New York City to make an arrest in New York City. He doesn't want anyone, the, the district attorney's office, judging his police officers based on a law that was just, it wasn't, didn't make any sense. The law that they drew up made no sense whatsoever. So he doesn't want his guys uh, subjected to that and judged by that law. Therefore, he's made a rule with the Nassau County police that they not go into New York City. So, you know, just unbelievable, and uh, that's that's the, the, the rules they're living by because of it. Folks, if you're looking for a good attorney in the New York metropolitan area, Joe Murray is your man. Joe Murray is a retired NYPD police officer. Uh, he did 15 years. He's retired. Uh, you can reach him on his cell phone at 718-514-3855. Email joe at jmurray-law.com. And he's got a website, jmurray-law.com. He's a big friend of the show, and he's an outstanding attorney. And many people have reached out to him based on this little commercial on the show here. And we highly recommend Joe for all your criminal uh, needs. You need a criminal defense attorney. Folks, anyone out there listening that has a small business that's looking to advertise with a police audience, here, right here, we you can just call, excuse me, email police off the cuff, the number one at gmail.com. And I'll explain to you how you can advertise. We sell ads in blocks of 30. So you, excuse me, blocks of 10. So in essence, you buy 10 ads and it runs 10 consecutive shows. And uh, people have that have advertised with us have had great success with it. So again, if you want to place an ad with Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories, Police Off the Cuff, the number one at gmail.com. So good to see all you guys. Um, I see some of the folks in the chat. 
uh, just Schmitty just got here. Hi, folks. The show is probably almost over. Well, we're at the um, 35 minute mark. So we, we got about 25 minutes left. I usually go about an hour. Uh, but this, this is a um, exciting time for television that we get this show back on the air. Because one of the great things it, it does, and it did just like when you remember America's Most Wanted with John Walsh. One of the greatest things is that the show and the power of television would expose these fugitives and people would watch it on television. And the next day, the jurisdiction in which the perpetrator was wanted, the phone would be ringing off the hook. I'll tell you a real story. I was uh, a sergeant in Manhattan North Homicide Squad and special victims was next door to us on the sixth floor of 3280 Broadway. On a Saturday night, they featured a, uh, a case with an attempted rape and an attempted murder that occurred in the 19th precinct. That morning, the phone was ringing off the hook, and the perpetrator, I still remember his name, his name was Stephen Peppuccino. And they got a call at Crime Stoppers, and they said, your perpetrator is in a bar in Queens right now. No one from Special Victims the wisdom of it was working that day. So who do they call? They call the Supreme Commander from Manhattan North Homicide Squad. I get the phone and they say, Stephen Peppuccino is in a bar. This is the address. Down the block from that bar was, I forget the numbered precinct. It was a, it was a precinct in Queens. So I call the precinct in Queens. I give the NICID number of the perpetrator. I said, look, he was just featured on America's Most Wanted last night. He's down the block from you guys. You can get to him a hell of a lot faster than we can. We're in Manhattan. You're down the block. So the Queens detectives go into the bar. I don't know. I like to should probably skip it by this part. He's sitting at the bar drinking. They walk in and the barmaid's practically like pointing at him. They do like an okie doke and they leave. And the guy was sitting at the bar. So we get there, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes later, because we're in Manhattan, and the barmaid tells us, they go, the detectives came in here, and he was sitting there, and I was trying to signal without saying that's him, that he, that's him, you know? So I was just a little, like, annoyed. I said, all right, he's got to be around here. He was an alcoholic besides a lot of other bad things. I go, we'll just can't, we'll canvas the bars. And we had about, I think we had two sergeants, <clears throat> and six or eight detectives. So we start canvassing the bars, and it's pouring raining out. And I look through the window of this bar, and there he is sitting at the bar, right? So I tell everyone, I go, he's there, that's him. All six or eight of us, whatever that was, we pile into the bar. And he had told his family that he would not be taken alive. He was packing, and he was going to shoot it out with the police. Well, if you've ever tried to apprehend a wanted fugitive, stick your nine millimeter, that cold steel against his head and his whole <laughs> posture about not being taken alive changes. He went to the ground like a little bitch. We got him handcuffed. We brought him into the Queens precinct just to sort of grovel a little bit that we got him. And then I called the special victims detective. He was at home. I said, we got your guy, Stephen Peppuccino. He was so excited. 
we brought him into the 2-6 precinct um, on 126th Street. And um, John Savino, great special victims detective, first grade detective. He's now a captain of police somewhere in Florida. Guy was a great, great investigator. And he was looking for this guy, Stephen Pepicino, I think for about a year. And it was really a savage rape and attempted murder. I, I, I won't tell you, well, I don't have time to tell the whole story, but just that we got the guy based on the power of television. He was featured on America's Most Wanted. And it was beautiful, beautiful thing we got this guy. And um, he got basically life without parole. And uh, too bad he didn't get the death penalty. He was a savage. But that's, again, the power of television, America's Most Wanted. So what am I getting to? This show, this show, this show, the live PD, before it's now nicknamed, it's uh, Patrol Live, a live patrol. Someone's made a, a big point that that's different. Patrol Live and Live Patrol is different. They, they're going to catch fugitives, which is a great thing. You know, uh, the last show they caught 34 fugitives and 12 missing children were recovered. How great is that? Again, the power of television. And that's, uh, that's a great thing, right? The power of television, they're going to recover kids. They're going to apprehend perpetrators. They're going to save lives. And the power of television is also going to entertain because people love this show. Went from leading the gang unit of the Tulsa Police Department to national celebrity on live PD, one of the highest rated and most controversial shows on cable. But even at the height of his celebrity, Sean Sticks Larkin never quit putting away the bad guys. Until now. Sticks. That guy, Sean Sticks Larkin, is a star. People love this guy. You know, I laugh. All these guys they have on the show, <laughs> you know, uh, Dan Abrams and Sean uh, Sticks Larkin, uh, they're all thin. You'll never find a New York City cop without a bit of a, be a bit of a belly. Don't these guys drink beer? You know, I laughed. Look at these guys. They're all thin. What are they doing in their off-duty time? A thousand uh, sit-ups? But I, I, I found it a little bit funny. New York City cops all have a little bit of a belly there. Has turned in his badge and his gun. And instead, he's picked up a pen. Tonight, he's telling his story. Plus, his fellow officers from Live PD stopped by for a reunion. And a look back the week that was policing in America, all happening now on Banfield. You know, it is not often that police officers can chalk up a quarter million followers on Instagram. You know, by the way, I love Ashley Banfield. I think she's a great reporter. You know, she came on our show. She's been on Police Off the Cuff Real Crime Stories. I'm, I'm going to have to see if she'll come back on, but... Great reporter. We followed her um, through the Brian Laundry case, you know, and uh, she she ate his attorney alive. She ate him up and spit him out. And I thought that was great, you know. Uh, but she's a great reporter, and I just wanted to. Uh... And Twitter each. But Sean Sticks Larkin has more than that because he's got thousands of fans on Facebook, too. And he can't walk through an airport without being hounded for autographs. He's a cop. 
But it's all because of the four years he spent on the hit show Live PD. Full disclosure, I worked on Live PD with him, so I know a thing or two behind the scenes. Spoiler, he's a pussycat. But for 25 years on the beat, he put away a lot of bad guys. And he saw a lot of good guys being falsely accused of being bad, namely some fellow officers and even himself. His latest project is Breaking Blue, real life stories of cops falsely accused. Lieutenant Sean Sticks Larkin, it's really great to see you again. How are you, old friend? I'm great. I miss you. So it's always a pleasure talking to you, Ashley. You know, guys, I wonder, though, if he has a, a, a nickname of the Supreme Commander. I doubt it, you know. <laughs> I miss you, too. Okay, before we get to the book, and I can't wait to hear about all the things you've been writing about since I last saw you, let's talk about the fact that Live PD isn't on the air anymore. A lot of people really miss the show. It sure wasn't taken off the air because of bad ratings. It was skyrocketing. It was, uh, you know, at times it was the number one cable television show, uh, both on Friday and Saturday night. And, you know, just to plug it, I think it was the number one DVR television show in all of 2019. Um, so, yeah, it's it's heavily missed. Um, it's missed from those that are fans of law enforcement, um, even from those that are not. So I can tell you, you know, when I came back to work and out on the streets, even all the bad guys we run into, they themselves were asking, man, when's the show get back on? We miss it. Things like that. So fingers are crossed, you know, maybe sometime here in the, uh, the, the near future, maybe this fall, maybe next year. I don't know that it'll be back. Uh, it's needed, in my opinion. So hold on. The, you're out there on the beat and you're pulling someone over and you're saying, I'm going to search the car. And they're like, hey, when's Live PD coming back? Seriously, that happened? <laughs> Dead serious. Yeah, it was a regular conversation. But listen, I'll say this, just like for myself and the other officers uh, that were that were covered on live PD, when you're out in these communities and you're dealing with people, even the suspects, you know, because they watched the show. And so it gave us an easy common ground of something to talk about on traffic stops on. Uh, I mean, even a shooting scene, you know, you'll have people out there that want to sit and talk about the show or or they're more likely to come up to you and talk because they got to see you on the show. They saw how you operated. Um, and, and, and just to simplify it, they just saw you as a regular person, a human that happens to be a police officer. Yeah, so police officers have been taking it on the chin. And um, I mean, it's no surprise to you. It's the whole reason that Live PD was taken off the air in the wake of the George Floyd killing, uh, you know, there were protests all around the world and in the United States all of a sudden it started to be sort of uh, caused non-celebra. And that's why, you know, presumably A&E chose to, to. You know, folks, it's it's amazing. You see this guy, Sean Sticks. And, you know, she said, oh, alert, he's a pussycat. He seems like the nicest guy in the world. And, and so many police officers, police sergeants, police lieutenants, police executives, they're really nice human beings. But it doesn't always come across like that because... We're painted with a broad brush by the media, by people that dissent and that don't like police. Willis Pony, there is, she writes, there's only one Supreme Commander, all hail. Thank you so much for the 999 Super Chat, and thank you so much for your praise, Willis Pony. I really appreciate that. Really appreciate your support. Yeah, as I spoke before, this whole George Floyd thing almost destroyed policing nationally as we know it. And hopefully policing is back on the rise, that all the bad things that happen to policing as a profession 
is now behind us, we hope. To take the show down. Some say, though, however, leaving the show up would have offered even more transparency. Why is there such a disconnect when it comes to that? You know, this is my personal opinion. I think, uh, you know, the word transparency was a magic word we've heard for several years um, leading up to what happened last year, uh, being George Floyd and some of the other well-documented incidents. People demand transparency from the police department. They want to see what we're doing. They want dash cams. They want body cams. They want to hold police accountable, as they should. But that also goes for citizens. So it's like they want transparency when it comes to police officers if they're doing something wrong, but we don't want transparency if it comes to citizens doing something wrong. That's forcing us police to do our job. Um, and so there was, there was, there was, you know, people that were um, not fans of it, I guess. And I don't think anything that we could have changed with that show that would still appease everybody and make them happy. Um, you know, the show just showed exactly that. It's like, hey, this is a day in the life of being a police officer across the U.S. We showed large departments. We saw, showed small uh, urban departments, I mean, sorry, small um, departments that were out in the country and things like that. So everybody just got got a uh, their own view from the comfort of their home of this is the job of being a police officer in the U.S. right now. So the, the antithesis to that is that there is a, a, a growing feeling across the country that for people of color, it isn't the same experience out there on the street as it is for um, white Americans uh, who are policed. And they feel as though there's these micro suspicions and microaggressions, and sometimes they're not so micro. So, and I get it. When we see, you know, Officer Chauvin with his knee um, mm -hmm. squeezing the life out of George Floyd sort of before our very eyes, it is hard to it is hard to to, to soften that anywhere, you know. But in the same sense, do you feel as though the stereotype from Derek Chauvin has just cut a swath right across police uh, all over the country? Yeah, you know, uh, uh, yes, for sure. Um, you know, no single incident in the last 50 years has done as much damage to policing as the George Floyd, uh, Derek Chauvin incident uh, has just almost ruined the profession. But however, it should have never been allowed to be ruined because how does one incident defy one million officers across this great nation? How does it do that? It's just like if you get one bad doctor, does that nullify medicine? Does that destroy the whole profession of being a doctor? So those are some of the questions I think we need to ask ourselves. Did that incident, should that have destroyed policing? You talk about criminal justice reform. Did all of criminal justice need to be reformed because of that one incident? Or well, partly, of course, every profession can be made better. They can be looked into, you know, there's, the private sector has something called quality assurance that ensures that the quality of the profession remains at a standard. Law enforcement has the same thing and has more people looking at it than probably any profession there is on this earth. I think a lot of it honestly gets down into even the politics. Um, you know, our country right now is, is extremely divided. It just is, um, particularly when it comes to red and blue, you know, Republican and Democrat. And so regardless of what a lot of people's views were of police officers, um, I think there were a large number of people that particularly on the left that had a strong dislike for former president Donald Trump. 
And he was very, very vocal about his support of local law enforcement. You know, he had some issues with some of the federal agencies he was not a fan of, but when it came to the American street cop, uh, he was pretty vocal about his support for officers. And so I think what had happened coming into the election last year, the George Floyd incident, is we had some people that previously, although politically they, they differed from Donald Trump, um, they you, you can't voice support for law enforcement, or some of them felt. I shouldn't say that's everybody, but a lot of people felt, man, if I'm if I'm supporting law enforcement, then that gives the appearance I'm supporting Donald Trump. And so they wanted to separate that uh, or separate anything they had from him. And I think that's really led into the numbers being larger of people that have been vocal about their lack of support for cops. Yeah, listen, I mean, on this program, uh, we highlight some of the work that police officers are doing. Every day it's pretty heroic and there are a lot of officers who are dying uh, to pr to protect us. They're doing dangerous stuff every day and it's not making the news much. So, Sticks, right. I can tell you right now, I get hate mail. I'm called a racist um, for highlighting some of the the jobs that, that cops are doing. And notwithstanding, I am crushed by the pain and suffering of people of color in America who say the black experience needs, you know, attention. And it does. It, there, there needs to be an overhaul. Do you think, though, the police are taking it on the chin for how society is? Meaning you guys are out there, your cops, your marital counselors, you're supposed to be sociologists, psychologists, psychiatrists, you're supposed to be judo experts. I think I'm missing about seven different disciplines there. You, and then when are. any one of the, I know, right? <laughs> if any of those goes wrong, um, it's your fault. You're the one. You're the bad guy. Yeah. You, you, I mean, some of the other things you forgot about, we're supposed to be, you know, trauma surgeon, essentially. We're supposed to be doing life-saving measures on everything we go to. Um, we are, you know, counselors for children. Uh, we have to know the law as well as, uh, you know, attorneys, those who have gone through law school for years and things like that. So there are a lot of things that are uh, heavily on our backs that we are supposed to, you know, supposed to know, but we have to make split second. You know, Paul uh, Mignot from the, I hope I pronounced your name correctly, I'd be concerned if policing had a higher instance of bad operators, as does plumbing or what have you. But come on, man, the Floyd thing was hijacked by every political opportunist in the U.S. Paul, uh, I agree with you. And one incident does not define a profession, nor does two or three. You know, most interactions between police and the public are positive in nature. Thank you for your comment. In decisions, where all, all these other professions, they have time to evaluate and dig into whatever it is they're working on. You know, the things for police officers happen literally that fast, and a lot of times with very limited information. Um, but yeah, we definitely are taking on the chin right now. Um, you know, I think, I think it's gonna be tough for a few more years, I really do, and I think we're gonna continue to see crime rates rise. I'm sure there's many factors that go into it. Um, but one of them is the lack of support for law enforcement, the lack of people, whether it's trusting law enforcement or wanting to share information with us. And, you know, it's been heavily documented in the last few months. A lot of police officers are retiring or even resigning from this profession. So you couple that with the low numbers of people applying to get into the profession. Um, you know, it's got some potential for some some tough years ahead for us as a country as far as crime goes.
We saw some pictures while you were talking of uh, what I assume was a recruitment um, effort or at least uh, some sort of a swearing-in ceremony. There were lots of officers and there were signs saying, you know, now hiring and recruiting. And yeah, those efforts are are really um, showing um, a softening. You know, it's 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 a struggle for officers across the country. Let me play something um, for our audience. Listen, I'm sure a lot of people who are watching right now know exactly who you are, know exactly the work that you do. Um, but this is this one scene where you arrived um, as a member of the Tulsa Gang Unit on a shooting, and I think it was it was a member of the Aryan Brotherhood who'd been shot in the neck. And there's you. Uh, having to be, you know, a caring, you know, lifesaver to, to someone like that. So have a look at this. I want to ask you about it on the other side. Is it an entry wound back there? He's got some... Wow. Yeah. yeah. On the left side of the neck, he's got his cracker bars, which are his uh, lightning, yeah, lightning bolts. bolts, which is a symbol that the UAB guys all throw up on themselves. How you doing, buddy? So he's lucky as hell because he literally has a through and through through the back of his neck that somehow missed his spinal cord. So you have a job to do when you get there, Sticks. It's a guy who's got the tats that you recognize instantly, but at the same time, you have a job to do. You've got to do not only the policing, you got to find out what happened, you got to get the evidence, you got to figure out the way to treat that guy so that you can arrest the guy who shot him because there's someone else that's still out there. But that's a really tough navigation, isn't it? You know, folks, one of the hardest things uh, in what we do, what Sticks does, with shootings, um, I went to hundreds, thousands of shootings when I was in homicide. Less people cooperate with shootings because they feel, oh, he just got shot. He's going to be okay. But if the person dies, believe it or not, you get much more cooperation, which does that make sense? Well, it happens to be a fact. But with shootings, witnesses don't come forward. Many times the victim does not cooperate either. Yeah, it is. You know, um, I'm not sure exactly what the statistics are, but I can tell you through my nearly 25 years of being a cop here in Tulsa, um, the majority of my career was spent chasing criminal gang members. Um, you know, I was a supervisor over the gang unit and the crime gun unit, I think for a total of a little over 14 years or so. Those that, that, that typically end up shot, minus your you know, horrific mass shootings that happen in public places, but people that typically end up shot, it's their lifestyle that leads to them getting shot. Um, not saying they deserve to be a victim, but they're involved in gangs, they're involved in drugs, they're doing burglaries, robberies, and things like that. So a lot of times these guys have, uh, you know, criminal past. They themselves are criminals. You know, folks, uh, what Sticks is saying here too is there's a, there's a little um, saying in the Bible that if you live by the sword... I don't have to repeat the second part of this. You will die by the sword. So your lifestyle will dictate, you know, the violence comes to you when you live by it. Violence begets violence. And they don't want to cooperate with the police. Two things. One, that's just the way that it is on the streets. A lot of guys do not cooperate with the police uh, when they're the victims of crime themselves, even though they know exactly who did it. Um, we also know about the problems with having witnesses and these type of crimes coming forward or staying around or wanting to share information. But I assure you, we in law enforcement, we don't care who you are as a victim. If you're the victim of violent crime or crime in general and you cooperate, we have witnesses that cooperate, we're going to go after them every single time.
Yeah, and the guy who's on the screen is um, white. I know that there's a lot of uh, criticism that many of those uh, people who are being policed live on the show, Live PD, when it was on, were um, people of color. And, and a lot of the criticism said, gosh, you're putting the focus on them at the lowest of their lows and you know, really um, highlighting and dehumanizing these people. It's interesting that you bring up the fact that that for the most part, many of those people, it's not random. They're, they're living in that kind of an environment where crime is sort of standard up, not for everybody. But how do you equate that criticism when you have the, the folks that are, are living that? This, it may not be the lowest of lows. It may be Tuesday, just their Tuesday. Right. You know, and, and that's what Live PD did. Um, it, it showed you know, anybody that actually watched the show, I, I had a discussion with a woman that was a hairdresser here in Tulsa one time, uh, just kind of a friend of a friend. I'd never met her before. And she said she didn't watch the show because she thought it was racist. And so I asked her, I said, what on there did you see that was racist? And I said, was there a comment made, made by one of us in studio? Was there a comment made by an officer that was covered on the show or anything like that? And eventually I pinpointed her down and she admitted she had never even seen the show, not one time. And it was just what she had heard. And I just explained to her, I said, listen, you know, we're showing law enforcement from Missoula, Montana to Montana, to Florida, to, you know, South Carolina, Oklahoma, California. It's just showing it everywhere. Um, and, you know, when the show first started, a lot of people don't know. Well, as you can see in the footage here, the camera crew rolled with me in Tulsa. You know, I later went on to become an analyst and co-host of the show. But I can tell you firsthand, when we were riding around in the police car with, you know, my partner that was an officer, we've got a field producer with us and a cameraman, they literally cannot say a single thing about what type of call we go to, what type of car do we stop, what do we do? Um, it, it's part of the contract. They just sit there and they're there to document. And that is it. So the show itself doesn't pick, um, you know, what, what the officers do, what type of calls they go to, what part of the city they work in. Um, the police department, you know, makes a decision on who they want to put these camera crews with on their department. And it is what it is. Um, you know, whatever's going on in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and they're riding with this, that's what the viewers are going to see. The show does not get to dictate it. They're not trying to capitalize or highlight, uh, you know, anybody in particular. Yeah. Okay. So I worked with you for a couple of years and I don't know why I didn't know how you got your name sticks. I don't know why I didn't ask you. That's just the craziest. So when I come back yeah. after the break, I'm going to ask you to explain to me how you got the name sticks. Also going to ask how on earth you got a quarter million followers on the Twitter, a quarter million followers on Insta. And like, I can't even count the number of Facebook fan groups. All right, sticks coming back with you. And uh, don't forget, the reunion with the other officers is also coming up. Pretty amazing, right, folks? Do you think, though? So this was just a, a precursor of the show, and it just is going to show you that I, I think that um, the show is going to be uh, tremendously successful. This is a little photo uh, what, right after this, about two years ago, when the show was canceled. But the show already has this built-in audience, and um, I think it's a great thing. I think it's great for policing, um, for the profession of policing. And I think it's great for um, people that watch the show to see that police officers, cops, are human beings, and they're just like anyone else. And they come upon situations, and they have to deal with it. They have to apply the law to it. 
they're, you, you threaten them, they get afraid. Uh, you disrespect them, and they respond in kind. So all of those things, but we learned a lot from watching this show. And I just wanted to, uh, this is the second show I did on this, because apparently last night's show was they had some glitches. And the show is on Friday and Saturday nights now at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on a cable channel called Reels, R-E-E-L-Z, Reels. And many folks, um, you know, they tried to watch last night, and apparently there was some glitches. Um, MK sounds great. I didn't see or hear of the previous one. I'll definitely watch. So, again, Friday and Saturday nights. So if you missed it on Friday, you got Saturday. You missed it on Saturday, you got Friday. One of them is the date night, I guess. I don't know if your date's going to want to sit there and watch uh, Live Patrol or Patrol Live, whatever they're calling it these days. But uh, it's it's a great show, and I, I think all you folks will will love it. Again, I'm just going to give another plug for this show. If you're not subscribed, please go on our YouTube. Hit that subscribe button. It's free to subscribe on our YouTube. Go to our YouTube. Hit the subscribe. Give us a thumbs up. Ring that bell. If you want to help us... Financially, we have a Patreon with three different levels. We also have a YouTube channel memberships with five, count them, five levels. You can be one of our uh, channel members. Jojo Jolene at Bill Cannon, it's on right now. Okay, the show's on right now, guys. So uh, I don't know why it's on. Maybe it's on continuously till they get this right. So um, Schmitty says, join the bucket list. <laughs> hey, hey, John Donahue. Look at that, Don, John. Thank you so much for the 999 super chat. I think if more people see what it's like to be a cop, their outlook might change. You know, John, you're 100% right, but I think that's why shows like this give a transparency to police work that is positive, is very positive to policing, the, the profession of policing, you know. And the damage that was done over the last few years was almost, it's almost irreparable the damage uh, by these protests and the damage that certain politicians, when they backed the protesters, the rioters, I would call them, uh, over the police, I, that was disgusting, you know? And it nearly destroyed police policing as a profession forever. And as a result, you, you see people reluctant to join the police service. You see people in New York City leaving the police service and what happens as a result of that? Who's hurt? The public is hurt. The public loses their guardians. The public loses the best of the best. They lose the best detectives. They lose the best emergency service cops. They lose the best supervisors. They lose the best squad detectives. So who's it hurting? It's hurting the public more than anything else. Wednesday night, guys, this Wednesday, the 27th at 9 p.m., I'm trying another show. I've done this show before, but I have such a wealth of great people that watch this show that are either retired cops, detectives, sergeants, lieutenants, and they have stories. And I'm, I'm not saying war stories. I'm saying true stories from the NYPD. And I can tell you who five of these guys are that are, that are coming on the show. One is known to everyone, and he's actually in the chat right now. Lieutenant Peter Pranzo is one of them. 
um, Detective Michael O'Keefe, who is famous. He's a famous author. He actually was involved in a shooting many, I think it was in 1992, where he shot it out with a drug dealer that caused the Washington Heights riots. We have police officer Montgomery Delaney, who was a 4-4 cop that made, I think, about 1,200 arrests in his 10 years on the job. And then he got hurt. He got off the job. He worked as a college basketball coach, went to law school, became a lawyer, almost got elected judge upstate. Great, great human being. Um, James Shanahan, who is what hell of a guy, a master um, a master instructor out of the police academy, but taught things like verbal judo, but taught them with a sense of humor. He's going to be coming on. Mike Heinrichs. Oh, my God. Mike Heinrichs, an amazing, amazing guy. Um, 212 department citations, two combat crosses, two medals of valor. I can't say enough about the guy. You know, I know I'm, I'm missing someone. Lieutenant Pete, Michael O'Keefe, James Shannon, Montgomery Delaney, and Mikey Heinrichs. We have one female detective, and I'm waiting her reply. I don't want to put her name out there yet. Anyway, they're going to come on the show on Wednesday night, and they're going to tell their best story from their career. And it doesn't have to be a shoot 'em up gunfight. It could just be a human interest story, a story about how they saved some little kid's life, how they saved a mom, how they did something to help the community. It doesn't have to be a gunfight or, or a great arrest. Because sometimes there's humor and there's great human nature and humanness in telling those stories. So, again, Wednesday night at 9 p.m., real stories from the NYPD. And I just advise everyone to tune in that night. It's going to be a fantastic show. Thank You know, guys, I didn't even plan on doing this show today. I said, let me do a show. And um, I thought this was a pretty damn good show, <laughs> if I may say so myself. Guys, God bless. Thank you for tuning in, and uh, I'll see you very soon. One episode.